This is The Courier Talking Football. I'm Sean Hamilton and joining me today are Jim Spence and Alan Temple. Well, guys, football is back for Dundee and Dundee United uh, in the form of the newly christened Premier Sports Cup. Fancy. Uh, and both sides have started well uh, against lower league opposition. Um, in United's case, that's a 1-0 win away uh, to Kelty Hearts and a 6-1 dispatching of Elgin City at Tannadice. Um I mean, there are some slightly juicier matters that we can get into uh, around United, Jim, but let's start with the football, shall we? Um, it's, uh, two two games, two wins. So, perfect start under Tam Courts, you could say, um, with a nice kind of confidence-boosting hounding into the bargain at the end there. United fans can be pleased with that, can't they? I think so, Sean. I mean, you know, you talk about juicier matters, but ultimately in football, everything <coughs> revolves around what happens on the pitch. The vast bulk of fans are always interested, really, in, in, in how the team's doing. And I think, you know, we kick off against uh, Kelty Hearts, who are making a big name for themselves, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, a 1-0-1 is your blending your team together uh, in the first proper competitive game of the season is fine over there um, and then a 6-1 six, a six win uh, against uh, Elgin with, with you know five different goal scorers really kind of cannot be complained uh, about I think and and you know, Shankland on, Shankland on the mark with two, I think, is a good thing because <clears throat> we've talked, I mean, I've written in my column about him and we've talked regularly about him, you know, would he go, might he go, how much might he attract? Now it looks as though he might not go at all. Um, there's talk about a new deal at Tannadice. Um, <clears throat> although much of his play was dropping a bit further back than he probably would have liked initially as a striker under Mickey Mel, that's maybe added a dimension to his game. He's seen another element to his game. Um Opens up new vistas for him along with uh, striking. Nicky Clark scored two. Pollitt, who's a fine player, you know, when uh, Peter Pollitt's on his game, go from him and goals from Young Freeman and Mockery, you know. So I think that lots of really good signs there. And I tell you, know, j- j- just to touch on this, because I think this is quite an important thing. One of the things that I like about Tam Courts, I'm reverting to Tam because nobody seems to be giving him Thomas. He's like, you want no, to, one of the things Tom, I like about it? Tam <laughs> in, in his post match interviews is he speaks very well, he's very articulate. Um, and I think that's important in, in explaining, you know, what he sees or what he's seen in, in post-match um, interviews uh, and, you know, articulating that and explaining that um, quite clearly and concisely to the fans. So I like that as well. I thought that's uh, that's one of the things that I've been meaning to say for a while. But no, I think two good opening results and, um, you know, one conceded for seven against in two games. I think that's pretty decent. Indeed, yeah, he, he does speak well, um, and and one of the things that he's he's talked about um, has been United's kind of commitment to youth uh, going forward, and we've seen some evidence of that already uh, across these two games and the and the sides that that Courts has fielded. Um, we've had two starts for a seventeen year old Flynn Duffy, two for Kieran Freeman, uh, who was out on loan at Peterhead last season, with um, a start against Elgin for Kerr Smith, who's obviously 16, um, and we've had cameos off the bench for Lewis Nielsen, Chris Mockery, Finn Robson, who's another 17-year-old. So, Alan, it's early days, of course, but, I mean, it certainly doesn't look like it's mere lip service to the idea of giving young players a chance under courts, does it, Alan? No, absolutely, and probably of all the people you listed there, most exciting has to be Kieran Freeman, his performance against Elgin. I'm going to avoid using the phrase, you can only beat what's in front of you, but there is some truth to that, and although no one will get too excited about defeating Elgin, 
Freeman was fantastic. He really settles into this wing-back role. Every inch, the modern wing-back, we've seen so much of it at the Euros now with the, the trendy 3-4-3 slash 3-5-2. You need wing-backs with energy, confidence to get forward, ability to put in a final ball, and he looks every inch the modern wing-back. We got grave reports uh, when he was out at Peterhead that suggested that he's got potential, and now seeing it in Tangerine is a really, really interesting prospect. Love watching Chris Mockery as well. He's just a, such a classy player. He glides across the pitch. He finds pockets of space. He's very technically gifted. It's quite, a, quite an uncommon uh, player in Scottish football, if you like. So he's another one that's really, really exciting. And we, you know, we talk about guys like Kerr Smith. I think the the cavalcade of of clubs waiting to look at him uh, so kind of underlines his his promise. But no, I, I mean Florent Hotty as well. Uh, obviously mm, yeah. not a not a young Scottish player, but he's come in and you're now looking at that position and saying. Has he just nudged himself in front of someone like Ian Harks in the pecking order? So, you know, these are all really exciting prospects. And and as I say, you know, there is an element of uh, playing Elgin. So, of course, that's not necessarily going to be the team or the performances that you would expect in the Premiership. But then again, this is a Dundee United team that lost 1-0 at home to Peterhead last season. So there's, there's no right to sniff at good wins and say, oh, it was only so-so. It was a good win. It was good performances. And there's plenty of positives to take from from these players that we mentioned. Aye, aye absolutely. I mean, sort of maybe at the other end of the youth kind of experience spectrum, if you like, or actually, you know what? Maybe it's fairer to say somewhere in the middle. <laughs> maybe don't do him a disservice and say he's right at the far end. But uh, we we broke the news yesterday that, that Ryan Edwards, Jim, is set to sign uh, an extended deal um, with United, despite um, interest from down south and the former Wigan, um, and I think Fleetwood. Town and Tranmere was the other one, wasn't it? Mickey Mellon's Tranmere Rovers. Um, United fans, when, when that story broke, uh, seemed pretty pleased with that. And and that's kind of understandable after after what Ryan brought to the back line at United last season and his impact was was, was pretty clear. Um, so he had another year to go anyway. Um, so you would imagine that, that, that with an extension, we're looking at at least kind of 2023, you would have thought. So, I mean, does that look, does that look like good business for United? I, yes, I, I think so. I mean, you know, we, we, we've talked about this and we've all written about it myself included in terms of kind of the way United are heading with, the, you know, very much down the youth road. But, you know, I think we've all made the point and United have made the point too that you simply cannot embark on a, on a policy where you have, you know, a first team comprising only of 17, 18 and 19 year olds. So you do need experience. You need folk who have been through the mill, you need folk who have life experience, never mind just, you know, football experience on the pitch and the dressing room. And I think, you know, when when you have, a, you know, a 27-year-old who's, he was all right, I think he'd, it was a two-year deal he did a couple of years back, wasn't it? You know, so now hopefully about to do something similar. I mean, he, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a physically imposing specimen, six foot four, six, five, whatever he is. I mean, I think generally speaking, I think you need, um, you know, strong, experienced players, particularly, I think, around about the central defensive area. And I think for, from United's perspective, I think that, to me, um, looks like a good bit of business if they can get them tied up. And I think, that, I mean, is it actually tied up now? From what I saw, it was just about done. I don't know if it's if it's actually done or not, Sean. I know you, you no. said in your piece yesterday, it was, you know, it was very close. 
Yes, I, I mean uh, that's that's how it stands, as I understand it. And I mean, there's, there's every chance actually that while I'm speaking, something has happened. But the, the last I understood of it was that the, the agreement was was close. So um, certainly, if it doesn't happen in the, in the next twenty four hours, forty eight hours, <clears throat> I would suggest that something's gone quite badly yeah. wrong. Because yeah, well, there's always. I mean, there's there's many a, a slip twixt cup and lip in football. That's that, that's the thing. But I mean, I think you know when you look now at a side that. You know, Mark Reynolds is, you know, I still think a, a fine central defender, maybe not as quick as he was at one time, you know, who among us is, you know, but I mean, still a very fine central defender. So you've got Reynolds, you've got Edwards, Charlie McGrew has come into the mix. And I think, you know, there's a real, a real kind of solidity uh, of experience there. Uh, good, good, really solid professional people um, about the club in important positions. Because, I mean, ultimately, I think as the Italians kind of uh, proved during the championships, I mean, I think, you know, the central defensive pairing, I think, in football is a key. I mean, all, all of the great sides, I think, have had great centre. You know, we, we get fed up talking about the new firm, but Miller McLeish, Neri and Hegarty, um, you know, all the great sides have had them, and I think it's important to have really good, strong people centrally and and defensively generally. You know, and I think at the moment United look as though they have um, they have that. Yeah, I mean, it looks. I mean, from the from the two games, um, Alan Tamcourt's is kind of he looks like he's opting for that three five two system that you, you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, and, and when you think about um, the back line there, and speaking about Edwards as we were there, if you look at his contribution to the team last season, which I kind of mentioned before, but I mean, in black and white, there were 13 clean sheets uh, in his 32 appearances and he scored four goals into the bargain as well. So uh, quite clear that he he could be a key player in that that back three if it is going to be a back three. And then with the likes of... um, Kind of Reynolds, as you mentioned, Jim there as well, but like say Kerr Smith and Charlie Mulgrew as well. That looks potentially like, I mean, all going well. That 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 could be a strong side of United's game this season. The defence, good now. Absolutely, I don't think there's any fear about the defensive aspect of any of the players you've just mentioned. I think there's there'll be teething issues. I think in the first ten minutes against Elgin City, it was a performance that. If they were in a Premiership match, Dundee United could have found themselves three goals down. I don't think that's necessarily an exaggeration. So it would be remiss not to point out that there's a, a familiarity to be found with it that's maybe not I think Tam, just Tam yet. Court said they'd, they weathered the storm, I think was the way he put it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you're weathering a storm against Elgin City, then obviously there's uh, there's some issues there. But at the same time, you know, they recovered from that and that in itself was a good show of character. That's a test that needs to be passed by any team. So, you know, well done for, for that. But yeah, looking at that back three, it will need to get settled in terms of them getting used to the shape. And that will come with time. That will come with repetition. That will come with work on the training pitch and uh, being tested in games. Um, but there's also an element of um, what that actually brings to the to the progressive side of the game. That's maybe the the more challenging thing. I don't worry about any of those men's defensive capabilities. It's just then, you know, we saw with St Johnston last season how important it is to have a man like Jason Kerr, who is the man who steps out and overloads the midfield and starts to play and has a bit of pace about him. You know, who will be that? You would assume that's a, a role that would suit Charlie Mulgrew down to the ground. You know, he's such a good passer of the ball, so technically gifted with that left foot. So, Comfy, you know, isn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, with the personnel, you look at it and go, yeah, I can. you can see how that will work. And, uh, you know, I've referred to it earlier, it is the, the formation du jour at the moment. So if Dundee United can, can find a way to make it work for them, you do look at the players on the pitch and think, yeah, there's there's something there it could it could work with with, with those guys. I suppose uh, we're we're sort of staying at the same end of the park here, Jim. But there, there was one wee note of intrigue at Tanner uh, this week in the form of um, what's going on with goalkeeping coach Neil Alexander. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you'll have read the reports. There was a report in the Scottish Sun of a of a bust up between uh, Alexander and Tam Court. That was the that was the words. That was how they put it anyway. Uh, now that was that's a report that that Tam Court's denied to us. Uh, Tanner Dice after the Elgin game, he, he told us there'd been no fallout as such and that things were amicable, but he did concede that since he came in, he'd wanted to have a look at the club structure and personnel and that there, that there would be something in the coming days on that topic. Alexander wasn't at Tanner Dice for the Elgin game, so I don't think we need Alan Turing to crack that code to be, <laughs> it looks like he's away. <laughs> no, um, this, this, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of intriguing things <clears throat> that will go on here. I mean, you know, when, when any new manager comes in, in any walk of life, <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether it's in journalism, whether it's, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I, Sean, I can remember Working for the BBC, and I'll be very careful what I say here for names and all the rest of it. But we, we um, you know, no, I the, don't. The, the, the <laughs> I remember someone <laughs> new, someone new being appointed who, who, you know, within about the first week made it clear that several of the high-profile folks were no, I wasn't among them. I wasn't along there. Uh, were no longer welcome. Uh, uh, he lasted about three weeks. <laughs> he lasted about three weeks. You know, um, but no, I mean, any manager has to. Uh, has to make his mind up whether it's a goalkeeping coach, whether it's a strikers coach, you know, the, whatever. Has to make his mind up what he wants, what values getting. And then there's, you know, football's a personal game as well. Football, like every other walk of life, is an extremely interpersonal game. Some people get on, some people don't get on, some people challenge things. Uh, managers don't like it challenged. Goalkeeping coaches don't like it. We don't know. We don't know what goes on. But bust up and football are two words that's synonymous. They, they are they are simply bedfellows. It's the nature of the game. Um, there are egos, at, at, you know, in play. Um, there, there is being a manager in play. Tam Courts, you know, is, is getting a chance of a lifetime here to manage Dundee United. You know, I mean, it, 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 there was nothing in his previous record to suggest that he would end up managing a club the size of Dundee United. And he's going to grab it with both hands. Um, and that means he's got to get it right in terms of on the pitch, but he's also got to get it right in terms of man management. Now, he is the man in charge. Now, we don't know if, you know, we, we know how football's played. People come out and deny things and they suggest there's less to it than meets the eye. Very often there's more to it than meets the eye. But he's the man in charge. He's the manager, and and he has to do what he thinks is right um, in all aspects of of running that team in conjunction with his sporting director and the other people who go to make it up. Because I think I think the United management structure these days is going to be a very cooperative one. It's it's going to be a very kind of I, I, I hesitate to use the word uh, Politburo. It's not going to be the old communist structure, but uh, but it's going to be I think a fairly cooperative one. So lots of chat and talk will be done and all the rest of it. You know what 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 did interest me was that. Um, Sigrist was there, you know, so um, because yeah. there's been a lot of talk about would he stay, would he go um, entirely possibly he still might because of course they've signed Trevor Carson but no, I mean, as to the bus stop well, time will tell, um, you know, whether he, who knows, you could speculate maybe he was asked to, to stay away for a couple of days let things calm down, my suspicion would be not, my suspicion is that, you know, the goalkeeping coach um, has uh, missed the, you know uh, has not been at the game, then there, there, there is something to it and uh, whether we see him back or not 
another thing entirely. Yeah, Alan, I suppose I mean, you, we, we might be uh, accused of, of applying a selective reading to the situation here, but I, I, I'll take that one on the chin if that's the case. Um, I mean, is there an element of, of, as Jim kind of touched on there, a new manager coming into a club, well, or a head coach, if you want to call him that, and then especially one with the, the relative lack of experience that, that Tam Cox has got at that level that actually... It could, again, we don't exactly know what the circumstances are here, but but on the surface, a, a guy like Tam Court's coming in, if he's made a decision that he wants to make a change to his staffing structure that's in place already, that's actually not the worst move in the world for him to make because it does sort of imply a kind of, well, I'm a decision maker and I'll make a tough decision here. If indeed that's how it's gone, it's, it's not necessarily a, a daft thing for a new manager to come in and, and, and make a change. It wouldn't be the worst in terms of the optics of that as a show of strength. Uh, I, I would certainly understand that. It's almost like a yeah a, a new player coming into a dressing room and you know uh, Megan the star player or something like that. You know, just a, a, I'm here. This is what I'm about. But I think it would be it would probably be remiss to suggest that that would be a, a major reasoning behind it. I'm sure if he, if this has occurred and a change has been. Uh, seen as required, then there'll have been bigger, uh, more broad right, reasons yeah. than than that. But yeah, I mean, the optics of it is, uh, is, is one aspect of that. But fundamentally, as I think Jim alludes to, you need to do it your way. Tam Courts will either be successful or he will be a failure. Now, those are two quite harsh assessments but that's football you are only ever one of two things and I'm and as a manager so uh, he has to do it his way he has to you know make his own decisions big small medium and live or die by those decisions so um I you know, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, it's hard to say whether it's the right or wrong decision for Neil Alexander to leave as Dundee United goalkeeping coach. But fundamentally, if Tam Courts thinks it's the right decision, then that's what needs to happen because he's in the big chair now. It's There's only one way he's going to prove that he's big enough and good enough for this job, and it's by making big decisions and winning football matches. And he's if um, what we think has occurred this week has occurred, then he's done the, the former of those things by uh, making a change. But I also don't think it's an element of, you know, uh, Neil Alexander not knowing what Tam Courts is about, not wanting to be part of it. You know, as uh, these two guys have known each other since they were 17 years old. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think we can, people, I should say, w- would maybe be inclined to read too much into the whole, um, you know, m- maybe Neil Alexander's thinking, this guy's come from nowhere and I'm not wanting to be a part of this. You know, I don't think there's anything like that. You know, it's a, if there has been a, a parting of the ways, I think it'll be a more growing, grown up discussion than that because these two men have known each other for um, a very long time. There's no sense of uh, unknown quantities in this regard. Indeed. Are you a Dundee United supporter? You're probably pictured in the Arabs Away book. Do you know any Dundee United supporters? They're probably in the book too. You, your friends, your family, your tribe are in this book. This is a football book with a difference. It isn't really about the players, the games, the on-field achievements. It's about you, the supporter. It tells the story of the supporter's journey. It shows us in triumph, in despair, in song, in anger and in pubs. It shows us laughing and celebrating, home and away, young and old, for better or worse. Have a leaf through the book. Every few pages you exclaim, I ken that lad, or I was there, or I remember that. 
There's never been a United book like this. There never will be again. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 20% discount on Arabs Away at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code ARABS20 at checkout. That's A-R-A-B-S-2-0 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. Right, well, let's uh, move over the road. I think if you're, if you're only uh, one of two things in football at any given time, then Dundee must be brilliant at the moment uh, because <laughs> they, everything seems to be going for them just now. Admittedly, it's pre-season and they're just the one competitive game in. Um, but that was a, a thumping 4-0 win over Brora Rangers. Um, that's goals from Paul McGowan, Alex Jakubiak, and a double from Paul McMullen. Um, Jakubiak will leave aside just now. Um, Jim, but but what about Paul McMullen? I mean, he's he's a player that I believe you're a fan of, if I if I remember rightly. Um, Absolutely, it's great to see him getting on the score sheet again. Um, yeah, that's two in preseason and two in the cup now because because when Dundee made a move for him, they kind of I think they did so hoping at the time to get a player who could help them win promotion, and and obviously they got that, and they've now got one who you'd imagine will will have a real point to prove at Premiership level. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. It's been a good start to the season for Dundee. A couple of really good results against Leighton Orient, good win there, and a draw against West Ham. Now, you know, pre-season friendlies, particularly against the English sides, don't prove anything because people are simply trying to get up to fitness, kind of blending, a, a, a whole host of things are, are going on there. But um, I think there's always more at stake for the, the Scottish sides, particularly when you're playing somewhat at West Ham, you know, who ended up the top half of the, the uh, English Premier League. Um, but it's been a really good start. And as to McMullen, yes, I'm a big fan. I mean, at the time, I was kind of, I, I mean, it was pretty clear, I think, to most of us that he didn't have a future. You like, you like a wee winger, don't you? I love a wee winger. And I, I, I like McMullen. <laughs> I, like, I like wee wingers that are tricky with the ball, that have got good close control, bit of pace, can get by men, and can get a good cross in. Um, and he also scores. So he doesn't just assist, he scores as well. Uh, when w- when he's got his game head on, he's a hard, hard player to mark out a game. You know? And I think, to be honest with you, Sean, looking at that Dundee side, um, they, look, they, they look a strong side this season. I think they look they look very decent. You know, I mean, I'm glad to see Jakubiak back. He's a decent player. McGowan, uh, same thing with McGowan. Paul McGowan kind of, you know, um, w- w- when he's at it, and he usually is, I have to say, as a, a, a fine player as well. He's he's not. A, he never strikes me as a natural forward. I know theoretically Dundee have been kind of that three-four-three system, but really it kind of it, it, it's it's variable, isn't it? Like most systems that most clubs are these days, but. Um, an intriguing bench as well. They've still got coming around the bench here. The guy Corey Panther will be a, 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 an interesting one as well. You know, there, there's Declan McDade still still about. I mean, I, I think that there's the bones of a strong squad about Dundee. But to McMillan himself, I like him. He's direct. He's quick. He's pacey. Um, he's tricky with the ball. He's got good. You know, the, the the ball when he's on the run, the ball is never far from his feet. It's very very close to his feet. It's very you know, uh, uh, and he plays. You know, when he, when he plays with his head up and and sees the pass or, or, or you know or sees the move to go by a man get a shot um, I, I think he's a fine player uh, indeed and I think you know a couple of goals um, in that 4-0 win along with McGowan and Jacoby I, I think you know again you know, it's against broader Rangers but I mean I, I'm, you know, I always think back to the great Hungarian sides when Hungary were a power. Not that I can remember, I have to say, but um, you know, they, they 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 were very fond of playing friendlies. Not that this was, but playing friendlies against uh, amateur and lower league teams, beating them thirteen and fourteen, nothing to build the confidence. So, winning games and scoring goals. 
uh, builds the confidence. So I think with McMullen in the side, you have always, you know, assuming you can keep him fit um, and, and free of injury or suspension or whatever, and he's not got much of a history of that. I mean, you know, he's a fine, fine player. He's tricky, he's fast, he's pacey. He delivers assists and he scores as well. What more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean, Alan, do you, do you subscribe to this notion, Alan, that, that he's a guy who has a point to prove in the Premiership? Now, it, it's easy to say that because he, he's never really had an extended run in the Premier League. He was effectively ignored by Mickey Mellon last season in, in lots of ways. I mean, as a motivating factor, I'm sure he, he would never go on about this himself. I wouldn't have thought, unless it starts going really well and he wants to have a pop, in which case he might. But um, yeah, I'm sure he would never say that, you know, I, I want to prove Mickey Mellon wrong. But do, do you think it's 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 fair to say that, that there's, there'll be a bit of him looking at a season in the Premiership and thinking, right, I'm going to show them all? 100%. And I think that's what every player should be thinking, but especially a player like Paul McMullen, who will feel that there were times last season in that first half of the campaign where he'd been looking at that side and thinking, you know, I'm not being kept out the side because there's so much dynamism on the pitch right now. So why am I sitting on the sidelines kicking my heels? Um, I think, you know, we can't suggest that when he did get the chance to play for Dundee United that he was turning in performances akin to what he's turning in now. So that would be if you were a Dundee United fan that maybe didn't want to acknowledge um, Paul McMullen's grievances. That's obviously what, what they would say and there would be an element of a point to that. But he's a winger that plays on confidence. He needed a run in the side. And I think that Dundee United team could have done with a Paul McMullen at times last season just to liven things up, just to bring a little bit more excitement to the table but it's not just a, proving a point in the Premiership either. I think Paul will want to prove a point to everyone who's said he doesn't have the consistency to play at a good level um, week in, week out because I remember watching Paul McMullen when he was at Dunfermline and at times he was a thrilling player um, but you know, I got sick of hearing uh oh, he's inconsistent. He does it some weeks, then doesn't turn up for three weeks. So God knows how frustrated he must have got hearing that about himself. So mm. he'll be determined to not only, you know, not only shine in the top flight, but shine consistently and shake off this cliched winger tag of he does it some weeks and not the other, or you never know what you're going to get from him. Because for the last six months, that's cliched nonsense. He has been good week in, week out, and he is proving that not every winger needs to be this flighty, you never know what's going to come next type player. Yeah, it, it's that kind of mercurial to mince, isn't it? You know, uh, approach that some, <laughs> some wingers have got. One, you know, that's the theory anyway. But I mean, the thing is, McMullen's at a good age. He's 25 now, you know. I mean, he's, a, he's a, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a Sterling boy, isn't he? Which That, that always fascinates me because Sterling's produced some, I don't know if he's from the rap lock or no, but you know, Sterling's always produced some smashing football players among them, the likes of Big Duncan Ferguson. But I think he's at a good age, you know. He, he, he's 25. Um, if, 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 if some people argue he needed to kind of mature and grow up, um, and I, I don't, but I mean, if they do, then that's fine. This is this is the perfect age to to do it. You know, I mean, don't, you know, most not far away from a hundred appearances from United this time there. Um, went to Dundee on loan. I mean, I, I, I have to say, when when the story broke, that he was going to Dens. I thought a couple of things. I thought. Um, 
great bit of PR for Dundee, kind of winding United fans up, but a, a great bit of business if they get him, you know. Uh, and they did get him, and I think he's, you know, he, he, he's just a, he's a, he's a fine player. He gives them, I think, um, he gave them at the time, particularly when he signed them. I, I think one of the things that Dundee really missed was kind of directness and and um, and pace, you know. And I think pace, I hesitate to say in the modern game, you know, pace was always important in the game. But I think we talked earlier on there about, you know. Um, the modern fullback who needs who needs to be quick, athletic, and smart, and and all the rest of it. And I think it's the same up front. You need pace up front. It's in the in the game where most people are, are very very fit uh, today. You need that wee bit extra something, and and it doesn't have to be much. But the guys with pace can make that half yard or even you know a third of a yard on someone, and it makes it all the difference between going by your man, getting the cross in, getting the assist in, or, or scoring the goal. So I think he's been a very good signing for Dundee, and if he can maintain um, the level. That I think he's shown so far it'd be a great signing for them. Aye. Well, Jim, we'll, we'll stick with you. And speaking of players who who could make an impact, Jakubiak is another one um, who is on the score sheet um, against Brora. Um, obviously, a big signing for Dundee last summer when he arrived, and it never really got going at all, to be honest. And and, and he had really really bad luck with injuries, a few serious ones, kind of along the way. But I mean. It, it looks to be in the right place now. James McPake's talking him up the other night, saying he's looking really, really sharp, and and pretty much every way, Jim. It kind of feels like a fresh start for both player and club here, doesn't it? So it's almost like a new signing. It's that cliche, but it, it, because we saw so little of him last season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had a kind of peripatetic career, hasn't he, um, Jakubiak? Good you know, word. He's, I mean, he's well. I mean, he, he's been all over the shop. I mean, I, I, I had a wee bit of kind of just a wee shifty because I was trying to remember exactly where he'd been. It's, it's you know, it's almost like money's too tight to mention. It's clubs are too too many to mention. I mean, he's been all you know, Watford, Braintree, Oxford, all the way through. Lots of loan spells. I mean, I remember about Falkirk uh, uh, on loan. Then he was away down to Bristol, uh, Bristol Rovers, blah blah blah. And it, it, it looks to me, you know, on, on the times, you know, on the few times I've seen him, um, he's looked to me. So he's, he's he's got a bit about him. He's he's tidy, you know. I think he's kind of he's strong as well. I think you know, um, good touch, um, good alertness. I think, but. Uh, it's early days yet, I think. I think he, he's got to prove himself. <clears throat> he's got to prove himself within, um, you know, James McPake's team. I think he's, you know, he's got the ability to do that. I mean, we, we, football's a strange game. We'll look at players, you know, I, I'm a great believer in a couple of things. One, you can look at a player and tell him he's a football player in the first five minutes. His first few touches tell you he's got the innate ability, but that's only that's only the innate ability. There's loads of players that have got the innate ability. There's a, there's umpteen different things that, that, that go with that. There's staying fit. There's being fit enough. Um, there's being mentally strong enough. The, 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 there's there's the you know the desire, the hunger, the aptitude, the attitude. All of these things tie into. Um, and I'd like to see a lot more of Jakubiak to see whether he kind of he you know he he becomes in a sense the perfect football player. But what what I've seen uh, on the few occasions that I've seen because I've not seen much of him on the few occasions he looks to me a, a potentially a very decent player. Um, and as I say, I think that. McPake is actually assembling a pretty decent side again. I don't think it'll be a top six side, but it's, it's a decent side to do what the aim will, the aim will be as always to stay um, to stay in the in the top division and not be relegated. Aye, yeah. I mean, when, you, when you're when you're up, it doesn't need to be a top six side, does it? I think if you if you manage top six in your first season up, that's you can call that a, a big success. Um, if Dundee can just consolidate as much like United did last year, they'd be pretty happy with that. I would thought. Um, Let's change tack a bit and uh, talk about a top six side in St Johnston. And you would get there. And you would get there. He's been itching. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> couldn't help myself. 
<laughs> so, Alan, I mean, Saints are, are, are yet to, to sample competitive action this season. Obviously, they, they got a buy-in in the, the knockout stages of Premier Sports Cup. Um, they're, they're, they've played one open-doors friendly game against a, a very competitive Preston side. And the, the starting 11, there were obviously a lot of changes as the game went on, but the starting 11 that, that Callum Davidson put out was, I think, I think off the top of my head, if I remember rightly, bar one substitute one change it was pretty much the, the side that, that 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 won the cup i think the scottish cup but anyway very very close to it and very close to the the side you imagine when you think about st johnston last season um callum's obviously a lot of interest in, in some of those kind of key players as you would imagine but callum has, has been quite bullish about it actually he's he's talking about hopefully uh hanging on to all these guys for for a tilt uh, actually qualifying for the europa league group stage i mean that's the kind of talk St Johnston fans want to hear, is it? Do you think they've actually got any chance of hanging on to them? Well, hopefully that's a good sign because Callum's the one in the dressing room having what you would assume are candid, honest conversations with these guys. So if he's feeling confident enough to come out and be bullish to say these things, then maybe it's a positive sign. I would be inclined to think that money always talks. Um, I don't think, and I don't think anyone would grudge any... Uh, player or for St Johnston themselves um, for cashing in on this moment of uh, staggering history that they've achieved. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a difficult situation because obviously the, the St Johnston fans would love a season with doors open to properly hail every one of these heroes and watch them week in week out because it's such a strange situation to have achieved the most successful season in a club's history and to have seen all these players. Um, illuminate the, the club's, uh, you know, history and and to have done it with no fans in the stadium. You know, the fans haven't, aside from the handful that were allowed in that stadium, haven't really been allowed to hail these players. So it would be lovely if the entirety of the squad stayed for the whole campaign. I don't think that's going to happen. But at least, you know, at least they're starting the campaign with the same players. I wouldn't have expected anything other than the same side, roughly, because why would you change anything? Um, but I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, I'd be inclined to, I know you were there and I'd be inclined to throw it back to you in terms of what the experience was of, uh, you know, those players stepping back onto that pitch for the first time as double trophy winners in front of fans. Yeah, well, it, it was it was it was different. I've got to say, uh, when when they they sort of staggered the entry times, as I think everybody every club has to do um, to to stay within the guidelines that they've been given for having spectators. So by the time the the team came out to to do their warm up, there, there was probably I don't know maybe five six hundred in the ground already. I would have thought, and and the round of applause that they got when they came out to run it, it felt like. It, there could have been ten thousand there. It was, it was, it was brilliant. It was a really, really great moment, and um, it, it was, it was, it was brilliant in the sense as well that you, I've not, I, I haven't been to games week in, week out over last season. I went to a few to work um, at them, but you kind of got used to that sort of football with nobody there vibe and hearing the manager and hearing the players and what have you. So even a thousand fans who are very very separated and distance completely changed the tone of the whole thing even though it was a friendly and I think that was something that, that Callum Davidson remarked upon afterwards and, and Murray Davidson as well um, so it was it was lovely and there was a spontaneous sort of round of applause in the 32nd minute for the whole minute for Sean Rooney that being the minute that he scored in the cup final uh, which I think took everybody by surprise including Rooney so the, the, the whole experience was brilliant um, 
and, and and there is a lot of appreciation there from from Saints fans to these players, as you would imagine. And and Jim, I mean, we, we've discussed St Johnson's approach to to dealing with interest in these in these players previously. It, it, it seems to have moved on a little bit in the sense that that we started out with the chairman maybe giving valuations that we maybe thought were a wee bit low in terms of Ali McCann, but now we've got bids being dismissed out of hand. We're told. Um, for Jamie McCart uh, and Sean Rooney as well, bids of around two hundred thousand. We know that that figures out there. However, it's out there, and we're being told that, that, that that's not even being listened to at all. So it, it seems that the stance has sort of firmed up a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, there's a combination of things going in these situations, Sean. I mean, f- firstly, you, you you have to run a financially tight ship, and St Johnson have always done that. You've also got to, along with doing that, keep your fans happy. Now, St Johnson fans, I think almost, you know, peculiarly among Scottish football fans have absolutely bought into what the Brown family have done in terms of running that tight ship. Because, you know, memories go way back from what your dad or your granddad told you about how close the club came to going out of business when when Jeff Brown took over in the old days at Muirton Park and all the rest of it. So there's a, there's a peculiarly smart financial sense about St. Johnson fans who are, you know, switched on to not living beyond their means and all the rest of it. So you've got to keep all that happy. At the same time, they, they, they have hefty running costs and they've got to balance the possibility of the kind of fee they might get for players coming in against um, finishing the top six where the financial rewards might actually outweigh what, what you know, the, the, the kind of couple of hundred thousand pound or giving players away. Uh, you know, we, we, we've had this argument, I wrote about it a few weeks back, this, this argument about, you know, the market will tell you what you'll get for a player, but that doesn't mean to say you have to take it. Against all of that, you have to keep the player happy. You know, I mean, you know, like Rooney, we saw the wages at Rotherham were paying in some cases three, four, five times um, uh, what St. Johnson will probably be paying for some of their players. You know, an average wage seem to be around about two grand a week. Now, that becomes difficult to keep guys happy. You know, sometimes there's ways of keeping them happy by saying, look, sit tight. If we get a really good offer, X, Y, Z, you know, as a gentleman's agreement, you can go or it's in the contract, you can go uh, or whatever. But at the moment, Saints have maybe kind of, um, you know, are maybe playing a wee bit more hardball, knowing that they're, you know, knowing in, in, in the pipeline, because that's the way the game works. You hear whispers and all the rest. The agents will hint that XYZ club is interested, maybe not just now, but three, four, five games in, because that's also the way, you know, the transfer window's open for a while. Uh, yeah. Totally, and, yeah. And, 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 and when clubs, you know, your first two, three, four games in England, when, you know, some club or other in the championship is off to a stinker, um, that's when you get chairmen starting to get nervous and fans kicking up, and, and, and then, you, then you get movement. It's not necessarily the case that you get movement right at the start of the season before the season started or just into it quite often it's three four five games in where um, chairman and boards are looking and thinking gee if we don't if we don't tighten up a central defence or if we don't get a creative midfielder or if we don't get a striker we're getting relegated you know um, and, and that's where you get movement so it's very early days yet for, for St Johnson of what will happen Indeed, one final note of intrigue from St Johnson Alan was uh, Michael Halloran who, who started and um, indeed was a, a, a bustling physical presence uh, which you don't tend to think of him as but he, he looked bulked up uh, it looked like he's, he's he's hit the gym over the summer and, and, and very busy and Callum Davidson afterwards remarked on it and said you know he, he, he does his own programs and you know at the start of after lockdown after the first lockdown they thought he'd maybe slimmed down a little bit too much so they, they wanted him to bulk up a bit and he certainly appears to have done that and you have to imagine, we've maybe not seen the best of Michael O'Halloran for, for a few seasons. We've seen it in flashes, but a, a bulked up, busy, 
on it, Michael O'Halloran, we know the pace he's got. I mean, if he can, if he can, if he can stick that and stay with it, I mean, he could be a real weapon for St. Johnson, couldn't he? It's a really exciting prospect. Uh, not only the physical attributes he's got in terms of his his pace and his direct running, and when he's on it, the confidence that he has, but the fact that if if he's in a strong pace, sorry, if he's in a strong place, I should say mentally, then that's that's a fantastic prospect. Uh, I don't think there's ever been any doubt that Michael O'Halloran has all the tools to be an exceptionally dangerous player. And if he's gone away over the summer and thought, Do you know what? I'm going to get absolutely on it physically. I'm going to come back in the form of my life. I'm going to come back and terrorise defenders. If he's really, really in the mood and can put that together with all of his physical attributes, then that's such an exciting prospect. And it gives St. Johnston a little bit more of that X factor. They were maybe lacking at times last season. You look at the impact someone, I'm saying lacking last season as if it wasn't a successful season, (laughs) (laughs) of the tiny, tiny thing that St. Johnson were perhaps lacking, you would say it was that ability for some mercurial genius to make something happen from nothing. That's That's why the impact sub of Glenn Middleton made such an impact because he was something different that they could throw in uh, to change a game. That's why uh, he became such a favourite towards the tail end of the season. Michael O'Halloran, whether from the start or from the bench, can do exactly that. He can change games. He can make things happen from nothing. And if he fancies it and he's got himself in great nick, as all the reports and all the quotes seem to suggest that he has, that's a really exciting prospect. That's a, um, not to recycle your own cliche, but that's like a new signing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It certainly is. Right, I think we'll finish off with a bit on Dunfermline, which is which is unusual for us, but it shouldn't be really, um, I don't think, because they're, they're very much a club on on our patch and indeed a big one too. So, um, I mean, Alan, you've, you've, you've been following them quite closely. I mean, a narrow loss away to St Mirren, then a 4-2 win away to Partick to start for for Peter Grant, who's obviously new in the door there. Um, you've been on that particular story from the very start, Alan, with the, with the new manager. But, I mean, what's what's the feeling around the club at the moment with the new manager in the door? What, what What's the aim for the season, do you think, at Dunfermline? Is it playoffs? Is it better than that? The aim from Peter Grant's own mouth is to win the title and get back to the Premiership. Well, there you go. You have to admire him putting what is ostensibly a target on his back. Uh, That's why managers tend not to set lofty targets, because if come December Dunfermline are sitting sixth in the league, then he's given ammunition to anyone that was a bit doubtful about the appointment. However, at the same time, after... I'm a huge fan of Stevie Crawford, but he's a, he was an understated character. He was uh, quite a thoughtful manager and not bombastic in the la- uh, in the slightest. So it, it's quite refreshing to have a manager like Peter Grant come out and say, do you know what, we want to win the title. Dunfermline's a huge club and should be in the Premiership. So that set the tone. He's a infectious personality, likes to play nice football. And there's already been an element of seeing that shine through. Really good win away to Partick Thistle, putting four uh, past a team who I think a lot of people fancy to have a decent season in the Championship, um, having come straight up from from League One. So, the, you know, that was a good start. Losing 1-0 away to St Mirren, that's probably about par for the course. I don't think there's uh, any reason to be, to be panicking about that. He's playing, again, we're going back to it, he's playing a sort of nice, fluid 3-4-3 playing nice football. Young Ross Graham, who they've got on loan from Dundee United, has started really well. 
Paul Allen's a young midfielder they're giving time to, and a signing they've made in Nikolai Todorov looks really, really decent. He looks like he's fitting into the structure really well, and you know he's a traditional number nine, but also has the technique to bring the ball down, bring others into the game, and I think that's a player they've maybe been lacking for a while. So that's all positive. That's all reasons to be cheerful. They need signings, as uh, every time I tweet anything, uh, the deluge of reply seems to tell me um, when, you know, as if I'm Dunfermline's admin, announce this, announce that. I'd, I'm sure they will uh, announce uh, several signings in the coming weeks. I think Peter Grant's wish list stretches to six. It will definitely hit four, and I would expect two to be in maybe within the next week or so. So there'll be uh, th- that's what's probably occupying fans' mind at the moment more than it should be because it's a long old season ahead. So there's no reason to be panicking about a lack of signings just at this moment in time. But once there's a few more bodies through the door with those lofty expectations, with the style of football starting to take shape, then it's been. An, I think we can safely say that it's been an exciting few weeks to be a to be a Dunfermline fan. Yeah, Jim. Just finally, I mean, when, when you think about Dunfermline, and we're talking about lofty expectations, and we're talking about them as a as a as a big club who should be in the top flight, and we can say that year on year on year, and it doesn't happen. But I mean, I'm sure you'll have some fun childhood memories of a time when Dunfermline were actually a very 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 well, good club. Well, to be honest with you, Sean, not, not just childhood memories. I mean, they, they, they were, of course, you know, um, great European campaigners at one stage. But you know, not that long ago, um, Dunfermline were a crowd in the Leishman days and all the rest of it who could attract very very big crowds. I mean, to be honest, with you're looking at that table all the way down from Arbroath at the top to Raith Rovers at the bottom, and it's alphabetical order at the moment. I, I can't see a bigger club. I mean, Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock fans would argue, you know, and Kilmarnock are a decent-sized club, but Dunfermline are arguably the biggest club in that league, potentially. You know, I mean, a really good... Uh, a Dunfermline athletic side in, in the top division, in the Premier uh, in the Premiership, having three or four seasons uh, extended run and, you know, getting a top six place, I think would be playing to five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people. They are a big, big club. I mean, you know, they, uh, uh, whether Peter Grant is, is being overly optimistic, whether he's trying to get fans back on side and, and, and regenerate the atmosphere about the place, it's a great ground. It's a terrific stadium. You know, I mean, it was one of the most modern stadiums out. I mean, the, the original, you know, the big stand was kind of miles ahead of its time in the game and all the rest of it. Um, when we moved to all-seated stadium, it's, it's, a, it's a wee Sometimes I think it's a wee bit soulless the way they built it, but it's a big, impressive stadium. I think get the players in, they can get the crowds. Um, you know, it, it, it's just good. To, I, I take on board what Alan's saying about Stevie. Sometimes Stevie had that kind of hangdog look about him. And you thought, is he cut out for this? Is he cut out for management? Lovely fella, but it's a it's a hard a hard kind of grind, you know. Um, Peter, I think, is a different type of character. He's much more a bullion. He's he's kind of he's driven. He comes from a you know a very good footballing background. I think if if he can get the signings in and get done fairly motoring very quickly, um, it could be you know it, it could be terrific stuff. Um, at least End part, but that will. I was talking. I was on my 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 mod scooter run last night with the the E ninety two club. We were across to the Newport Chippy across the bridge, and there was a few oh, Broth fans, nice. few <laughs> Broth fans in, in on the party, and they were you know they were saying that they thought this would be actually the hardest season that our both had faced in the league and I understand why why they say that you know you've not got a heart for a Dundee there but you've got sides who will be utterly desperate and will fa- all fancy their chances Dunfermline Inverness Kelly you know Partick will all fancy their chances uh, this season of, of getting up so I think it will be a very very tough league but if Peter Grant can get the signings and 
it's German investment there, isn't it? If they, if they supply them with the the prerequisite kind of um, you know backing to get the right kind of signings, it would be terrific to see Dunfermline getting back up to the top league. Because I, you know, I, I I'm enough of a sap to think that we need our big clubs in the top league, and, and Dunfermline are one of our big clubs. Absolutely, well, exciting times at all of our clubs. Uh, start of a brand new season, and I think we'll leave it there, guys. I don't think there's any more uh, to cover. So, thanks very much for uh, joining me, guys, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Cheers. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.